It's Monday, September 18th, 2017, and you're listening to episode 458 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 51 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Brodor. This is Wayne. My name is Chad. So we've got a bunch of topics to talk about today, and they're going to tie into Episode 9 of the Skies of Glass actual play. However, Which we you don't have to listen to. Today. Right. That's what I wanted to stress. Is for If you're not into actual plays, think of this no differently than us talking about any game we've played. You don't have to go listen to that to understand mm-hmm. what we're going to be discussing. We'll give you sufficient backstory and all that. If you are following the actual play, there might be some spoilers in here. So up to you if you want to go listen to AP Session 9 before you listen to this show. So the first thing that I want to talk about is something that we talked about on the show before, I think. Mm-hmm. I think we did. Eleven and a half years, a lot of blurs together. But Last week blurs together. Yeah, it's <laughs> honestly. I don't remember what we talked about at dinner. <laughs> it's true, man. You age and the brain congeals. It just <laughs> does not function like it used to. It's singular mass. It just kind of does its thing. If it gets me where I'm going and I enjoy the ride, that's fine. The topic was murder versus killing. Now, I would assume that most people listening, and I know there's going to be a bell curve of views with people that have extreme perceptions of things one way or the other, and that's fine. That's not what Fear the Boot's about. But I think if you were to look at the general consensus of society, for example, killing in combat versus murdering a prisoner. Yes, <laughs> exactly. That we have a distinction between... Spoiler, by the way, <laughs> if you haven't listened to the AP yet. Between <laughs> murder and killing. So if somebody breaks into your house with a gun and is going to do terrible things, and you kill them in self-defense, we understand that is one thing. But if you get them to surrender, and you tie them to a chair, and you don't call the cops, and three days later you... Float a body down the river. Then... <laughs> Yeah, that's a little bit of murder. We understand that. <laughs> a little bit of murder. <laughs> yeah. It's like on a scale of one to ten, it's like a two and a half. <laughs> but, Where ten is not murder, and two and a half is murder. <laughs> but I tried to talk about this once before, and I think when I did, the topic fell a little bit flat mm. because I didn't have a good story for shared context, which is when you are at the table and there's a moment where a player kills or character kills someone else, whether it's an NPC or another player character, there's one kind of reaction to it. So if the paladin kills the orc, it gets, it's really, it's a non reaction. Yay. Critical. Yeah. Justified, (laughs) justified and whatever. (laughs) But if you're having deep RP and there is a moment where a player character or a non-player character, murders someone else, it gets a very different reaction. Yeah, How do you tell the difference? When someone's killed, there's yay. When there's murder, the table goes silent. There's Yeah, there's this horrified hush <laughs> over the table. And the one that we had most recently, for those of you that don't listen to the actual play, is... The party had encountered some people that either are or were at least posing as 
these particularly feral bandits. And at the end of the combat, they had one guy of the enemies who was left alive, severely injured, no threat to the party. He had surrendered, even. He, Yes, he right. surrendered. And Wayne, in his genius, had already suggested beating him until plot comes out. <laughs> Not killing, though. No, that was a different guy. Yeah, yeah that was later. That, yeah, that's Cyrus. But Oh, oh he's going to get beat. Yeah, he, <laughs> we are going to beat him until he's plot be falls out. cabin boy. <laughs> <laughs> but hmm. <laughs> the survivor recognizes Eric Osley's character, Motomar. Right. And I barely get out that statement of recognition. Mm-hmm. Motobar? Is that you? Yeah. Before he stabs him, he's, he just says, I put my knife through his chin and up into his brain. And then he looks at Brodor and in his in-character voice goes, he didn't make it either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just... Which is true. That cold. <laughs> that cold. And I didn't edit out the silence because I don't edit the actual play. So I yeah. did not edit out the silence. You could have heard a pin drop. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what to say. And I've had <laughs> days to think about it because it was infuriating. Right. Now, and it makes perfect sense. I mean, it made sense that Monomar would do that on a variety of levels. And we mm-hmm. talked about it in the sort of, you know, post-op at, at the end of the game. But in character, I was so mad for two reasons. One, this was our only viable lead and the variety of things that we have going on. But also in character, it reminded me of what he really is. And part of Joe's mental health is pretending that Motomar isn't that thing anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? Because Motomar is one of these that you call them ists. They're basically reavers horrible ravagers they cross the countryside and they take and they rape and they loot and they pillage and they eat people i mean they're they're just they're horrible well we're made of food it's really our fault well it is yeah you know we taste like pork long if if god didn't want us to eat people he wouldn't have made us out of faux bacon (laughs) but but the thing is is and they're they're not like mindless snidely whiplash bad guys either they're not like the mindless orcs they exist for a reason they have a society their society's really terrible they're nuanced villains that can have relationships and friends and family etc right yeah and motomar is from that where he is supposedly is one of these guys who's been like saved from this society so to speak not really kind of and motomar it's very in character action for him is or was one of these ists, one of these groups, these horrible people that Dan has populated the wastelands with, where they're nuanced, they're interesting characters. They have reasons for being, they have the, a society, they have a framework. They're just not like bad guy orcs sprung from the earth who go screaming and attack you and it's okay to kill them. Yeah, it, but my jar characters don't necessarily know all that. Oh, it, they're a force of nature that comes in. They're our boogeyman. Right, right. It, they might as well spring from the earth. And there are legitimate reasons to kill them. Right. And if I understand correctly, ists are going to have varying levels of sort of violence and depravity from yeah. one clan or tribe to the next. Yes. Right, right. Eric's character, Motomar, was slash is one of the. I mean, he's no longer part of the organization, but the character of Pops, who had like an influence on all of the other characters, took him and took him away from that but pops was crazy 
And was it very effective at... Well, and also when you expose someone to that throughout their formative years... That's all they know. Yeah. How Can you ever fully bring them back? Right. I mean, you can take the dog out of the fight, but can you take the fight out of the dog? Yeah. And so that's that's kind of the, the question that Eric gets to wrestle with with this character. Right. And well, the neat thing about the situation is that these ists or supposed ists, you keep dropping that hint, makes me <laughs> wonder now, is that these ists, I was about to say they attacked us. That's not what happened. No, nope. we found them and started shooting when they asked us not to do that. So, well, we are they, the real monster. So, so here's what happens, though, is that they ride up on us. They command us to drop our arms and surrender. And if there's one thing that, you know, Joe knows about this world, when strangers run up with weapons and say, drop your weapons, nothing good comes for you when you drop your weapon. Nothing good comes. So we fought back. Mm -hmm. And we take a prisoner. And there are uh, certain contexts and clues and things that Dan had dropped to where for lack of a better term, we're trying to solve a mystery. Yeah. We're, we're trying to put together evidence and clues and trying to follow this plot and solve this mystery. Yeah. And, and this guy we captured has clues. We don't know what they are, but we know he has information that we must either extract from him or cajole out of him or get from him. We need to talk to this guy in some with some varying degree of violence to find out what he knows and then further the plot. Yeah, there are definitive things that don't make sense because we're missing puzzle pieces, and he's got those pieces. Yeah, and so through Motomar, they have him down. Motomar was holding him with a knife, you know, guarding him. It was, it was, he had just, so I had just told Motomar, Joe had just told Motomar that there was one guy who was very obviously going to make it, and Joe told him to put that man out of his misery so he can come save this man's life. Because, Motomar's ironically, Motomar's the owner that has yeah. any sort of first aid or medical skill. Motomar had just bandaged the man's arm so he wasn't going to bleed to death when the guy recognizes Motomar and Motomar knifes him. Yeah, and not even like recognizes him and, oh, this is my drug contact and my cop friend see me sort of thing. It was Motomar didn't know who this guy was. Right. And we know Motomar is an is. We have sort of a cognitive dissonance about how bad he is, but it's not a secret. And yeah, it was just this sort of, Past came to face Motomar, and we needed this information. And Motomar failed the encounter, so to speak. On on very, if you're yeah. keeping points right, it's like this was a net loss for our team, and it was wonderful because there's something that I hate in role playing. Well, we'll come back to that. The, oh. the minus fifty oh, DKP. Yeah, because <laughs> that, oh, that, that I got a thing yeah. on that. Maybe. Yeah, we'll come back to that. Maybe even just in a second. But yeah, to put, to put a bow on this, if you are, if you've got the role play right, I mean, it just has a completely different feel. And I don't think anyone at this table is involved in it. But it was my prior Skies of Glass game that died on, excuse the pun, on this exact situation where there was. And now this was NPC on NPC violence, but there was an act where. A, a guy that was trying to cement his reputation within a town. And he ended up taking his wife, who had been cheating on him, with the town's previous mayor. And so he's like, you know, I can't show any weakness. And so he's like, you know, I want you guys to know that I have control of things now. And, you know, it's not going to be like it was under this guy. And you listen to me. And, says, and he called up his wife. And right there in front of everyone, slit her throat. 
I mean, it wasn't once again, it wasn't killing. It was murder. It was not a good thing. It was cold blooded. It was horrible. And it evoked sufficient reaction in one of the players that they were unable to continue the game, which I respect. You know, everyone's got their boundaries and I respect that. You know, this was, of course, a different circumstance. The motivations were different. It, it didn't quite have that that sexual or gendered undertone to it. You know, it's a, it a very different set of circumstances, but it still got that emotional reaction that what happened here was something different. Literally 30 seconds ago, the fight was coming to a close and we were ending people's lives victoriously. 30 seconds later, one of our own ended another bad guy's life in the same-ish way that we had done that before. Now it's totally different. Because there's a very obvious line of what is the fight and what is not the fight. And we were very clearly outside the fight the fight right. was over it was one mm-hmm. and then you treat people differently when the fight is over Well, what's really cool about this is you know i, I don't want to say that there's a moral relevancy or something like that it, it's killing i mean killing is is wrong it's taking bad. life is taking life taking life but, in it but sometimes that, but circumstances matter yeah and what's really cool is wayne's character kind of led the scoring on killing people oh yeah <laughs> in a meta way but in yeah. an in-character way you talked about how your character, yes, you won, you saved us, and you, you know, you did all this yeah. great stuff, and it was really cool. We buckled squashes, but yeah. you also saved us. And and if it wasn't for you, we'd all be toast. And now your character is going to have a lot of guilt because he took some people's lives. Yeah, it was because of how brutal it yeah. was. It was one of those, well, adrenaline's going, you do it. Right. right. Once the adrenaline's gone and it kind of hits you. It's something that my character is going to have to deal with, the, just how brutal what he did was. Well, and see, there's something that I see as the model of a role-playing game, which is you're telling a story about the characters in the Game Master's world, but you are telling that story to each other. And I don't think it's just the GM is telling it to the players, because at dinner there were some things that Chad did during the prior game where Wayne was asking me at dinner, you know, do you wish he'd given you some forewarning? My answer was no, because just as I intrigue you guys with unexpected things in the plot, I like to be surprised by what the characters do, usually. But (laughs) the point being, though, that I think what that illustrates is the fact that that silence at the table, that was not a character reaction. Now, there are character reactions to it, I think Joe started having one and is going to continue having one into the next game. Yeah. But that was a moment that spoke to the players. The players felt something. And to me, that's the sign of a good story is when the players, it resonates with them, right? At an emotional level, such that they feel what's going on. Just like when you watch a movie and we've all been there, you're watching a movie. You just don't give, two craps about what happens to the characters. Mm. You're so disconnected from it. And then there's other really good movies you watch where what happened to the characters, it really impacts you. And in the same way, and I don't think we could talk about it just with this issue. I just feel so vindicated because after so long of lacking a common frame of reference for this with the other hosts, now I finally have (laughs) one on this murder versus killing thing. It was very interesting because... From an out-of-character standpoint, when this situation happens, 
me as a player, I'm cheering. That <laughs> oh, yeah. was an incredible moment. That was a character moment, completely in character, exactly what that character would have done that goes against everything the party was asking for. That was a story moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, in character, right, pissed he's, off. Because he's got to leave that world behind, right? And the only, I mean, the as as you put mm-hmm. it in the, in the post-game wrap-up, that that door opened, that door into who and what Motomar is, it cracked for us just a little, and he slammed it shut before we could see anything, right? Mm-hmm. It was ideal. But again, I'm with you. In character, I couldn't be more. I mean, I, I could be more angry, but that would lead to action. Right. Well, and that's something Chad was teasing earlier, and Wayne, you just now brought up. Let's talk about that, which is one of the other things that I thought was great about this is Eric, in that moment, chose to do something that was correct in character, mm-hmm. but was wrong out of character. And I don't mean morally wrong now. We're, we're on different Again, subjects. Scoring points yeah, here yeah. was a net minus loss 50 for DK, the team. Yeah, minus 50 DKP to Eric for this. But the guy that was down had information mm-hmm. on several subjects that would have been of value to the party. He knew things about plot points. He knew things about geography. Clearly, he knew something about one of the player characters because he identified Eric's character, Motomar, by face and name, specifically by a piece of jewelry he was wearing. And that connection was never established. Why did that you know, trigger that memory for him? And the right thing to do in terms of success, maximum success, would be to keep this guy alive long enough to open up the information pinata and get all of the possible plot points and dialogue trees exhausted and then let whatever happened to this guy. But that's not what happened. Eric chose to do something that was correct to the character, which was to fall back to a kind of violence and a kind of a feral nature that he's trying one to leave in his past and two that caused him to do something that harmed the long-term outlook of the party. Well, I see it as uh, looking back at some of these other stories you've had about people that make choices that don't help the party in the long term. And the times where you point to people and say, well, you're just a dick, like the druid that won't go into a city. This is different than that. Well, this is something that sets us back from a party standpoint. It also makes a better story. And that's the distinction for me, because there are a lot of people that I've seen that will just, they want to get in the fight in every bar. They want to cause trouble. They, or they'll make they a character. the excuse of, well, it's in character. Yeah. My, my guy likes to fight. So that's why every time we go into a bar, he punches somebody in the face. Yep. But that doesn't forward the story. No. In this case, well, it set us back from what we needed as a party. This is a story moment. And but it, that's it, the difference for it, me. It set us back both in and out of character. I mean, if you're keeping score, right. it sets yeah. us back. Yeah. But yeah. in character, it sets us back because oh, like, one of the two most important people in the world to Joe, their grave has been disrupted, their remains strewn across the dirt, so they could salvage some book from her that I couldn't possibly read. But the point is, yeah. is that they violated the final resting place yeah. of someone that I truly cared about. And I want to get to the bottom of why, right? And so in character, it's infuriating. 
And it sets up these wonderful character moments in the future. Now, over the years of doing this show, we we interact with a lot of people, a lot of fans who give a lot of different opinions and views on games and how games are done. And this has actually come up many, many times in forums and Facebook and emails and that sort of thing on this this kind of topic of somebody did something that I didn't like and they used the excuse of it was in character and it pissed me off and they're wrong. And I think that Wayne is absolutely right. There are dick moves you do where in character is an excuse. But I also see a lot of people I've gamed in these groups. I've interacted with these kind of people where you in character is a range. It's not on or off. It's a scale and it's a range. Either you're really in character or you're edging towards out of character. And there's a lot of people out there who want you to do what is best for the group. What is best in character was best out of character. Yeah. Have your be a beautiful, unique snowflake. Be a weird guy. Be an interesting character. Have a good backstory. Have all that sort of stuff, but operate as a team. Be a team player. Move forward as a team. Don't disrupt the team. You can have disagreements, and we can have nice little role-playing arguments, but as long as it doesn't disrupt the team dynamic and the team going forward with the plot, then that's okay. And they want you to act less in character, not out of character, less in character, to do things that would help the team. Modemar absolutely, or Eric absolutely could have had Modemar not kill this guy, gotten through and gotten all the information, but he would have been operating less in character. And when he did that, when he operated in character and didn't do a dick move to piss people off and caused a net loss for the team and a net loss for relationships with his character within the group, I wanted to hug the man. Uh, I mean, that it was just so good. The story was so good. The opportunities for conflict are so good. The most boring book in the world is one where there's no conflict, where nothing happens. And a role-playing game, which is a narrative and a story, is all about trying to come to terms, end, or resolve conflicts. And while that's cool, well, absolutely. I mean, that's what you do with conflicts is that you resolve them if you solve them so that there's no more conflicts anywhere. It's a boring-ass role-playing game. Well, it goes to my point of this set the group back. It didn't set the story back. No, it didn't set the game back. Yeah, and then it provides opportunities And that's the the That's the biggest difference for me. The druid that won't go into the city. There's been a dick. That is setting the story back. Because now the character is just awful. Well, the, the druid that won't go into the city, the character that starts a bar fight everywhere they go because the player likes mayhem. The one thing that all these have in common is that really what you've got going on is the player is being opportunistically in character or is opportunistically designing a character or fundamentally selfish purposes Mm -hmm. there is something that they want out of the game which and that's not necessarily a bad thing but they are willing to sacrifice the enjoyment of the other people at the table to achieve it now what happened in this situation was eric did something that may have in character in the story set back the party it may have stopped you guys from getting information but the choice that he made was not only consistent with his character but it was entertaining, it was compelling to the players. And so it was not 
purely, and I don't know what his intention was, but the result. Oh, his intention was to get our jaws to hit the floor. <laughs> it was not Success. a set. But yeah, the result was not a selfish one. It was not one that only appeased him, yeah. right? It was one that did something and added something for all the people at the table. Because that 30 seconds of silence, that wasn't in character. It may have also been <laughs> right. in character. That was out of character. That was the players did not know this how to real, respond. Real reaction. Right. Yeah. But and the only person that called him a dick for it was himself. What Chad was referring to where people behave in character, but against the interests of the collective, mm-hmm. but does so in a way that everyone at the table recognizes it as something being true to who that character is. Those are the most memorable mm-hmm. and powerful dramatic moments in any role-playing games. I mean, if I go back and I think about my role-playing game history and those moments that I really remember, those stories that really resonate, they all have an element of that, of one character behaving in, in a fashion that is true and another character reacting in a fashion that is true and those two things being at loggerhead. Now, I've been in some a couple of crappy groups where it's the gestalt, it's the team mindset, where it is team above character. And, you know, I'm not saying that it isn't fun and people don't have fun with that, but I've been in those groups before and I have been accused multiple times of, well, you did this thing and you're going against the team. I'm like, yeah, but I'm in character. And they're like, no, that that's not a good enough excuse. You can be in character and still do the team stuff. And it's just like your care. Now our characters are pissed off at your character. I'm like, that's a good thing. What my character did was bullshit. He needs to be called out. You need to challenge him. That challenge, we call it role-playing. And it's fun. And that's why the last game session of Skies of Glass was so amazing, is we had two moments of inter-party conflict oh, yeah. that have to be dealt and they're with. they're not over with. Oh, that are going to be continue to be dealt with long-term. Okay. That's super exciting. Let's yeah. talk about the other one. And once again, if you want to <laughs> hear these bombs raw, go, go listen to the episode. Yeah. The important part is, is if, if Lee did not shit himself after that punch, I have to hit him again. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did say Lee availed himself yeah. of the wastebasket yeah, that was he being. Did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> He also might not want to do that because uh, Casey owes him his life. And so, uh, well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. <laughs> no, it was really cool. So Joe punches Lee, rightfully so, actually hits been well, a long time coming. And if you noticed, I had positioned myself earlier away from Casey yeah, because I knew something was yeah. coming. Okay. So when Casey left the room, I was like, well, here's my chance. Somebody like made to punch him again. I think you had Casey say, okay, I, once was enough. I moved towards you and yeah. Casey yeah, said Yeah, Casey said, yeah, well, that's, that's enough because Casey's like, okay, I get why it happened. There's no taking it back. And he kind of had it coming. But... Casey doesn't care. Right. <laughs> he really doesn't. But it was more, he's like, yeah, I do all this. Casey's for okay, anyone. Well, well, set up. Okay. What's so, happened? all right. So, for anyone who's not listening to the actual play, let me set up the And moment. if you are, this is a huge spoiler. Yeah, so, so, turn the episode, turn this episode off right. and go listen to the AP. All right. But if, if you're not listening to the actual play, here's the setup of the story Chad's character used to be a learned man or a scholar within the city of St. Louis. And he worked for a very specific organization that kept him on a very tight leash because knowledge, it's a, they intentionally make it a finite resource and they protect the people that have it. And he wanted out. They own you. They own you. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's a gilded cage Mm -hmm. and he wanted out. 
wanted to go back home and was able to come up with a sufficient legal argument, which we've not developed fully yet, right. to get out of there, but knew that this organization was not going to let him go easily. Or and, at all. Really. Or, or at all. Yeah. And so what ended up happening was, was Chad's character, Lee, made a devil's bargain with a guy that within the game is known as the Rat Man. And the devil's bargain was that basically I will move the right things politically to get you out of here, or at least get you a shot at it. But if you get out of here, we're going to be trading favors for a while. And the one thing Chad needed was it was going to come down to a contested decision, which to limit the bloodshed in St. Louis, they do through these Mad Max style pit fights. Mm -hmm. And so Chad got a pit fighter whose name is Casey. He's this monstrous, Steroided up. Steroided up, yeah. Combat drugs, sort of cyborg guy to take his place in the arena, champion him, with the agreement that Lee wrote the contract such that if the fight was won, Casey also gets his freedom so he doesn't die in the arena. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he has a chance to be the first Witcher to die in his own bed. But what happened was thereafter... Chad was doing these missions for the rat man where the rat man would be like, I want you to get intelligence on this, or I want you to manipulate a situation. And Chad would then get payment in the form of these like favor tokens, uh, space coins, space coins, space coins. Okay. Yes. Well, they've dubbed space coins. And so what happened was this came to loggerheads for a reason that, that I won't get into because that is probably going to get a bit long. But it was time for him to either be prepared to dig in his heels in a dangerous way or make the very hard choice of coming clean. Mm -hmm. And so Chad decided for his character that we are going to go to a place that was one of these tasks I did that has enough of an open end. There's some loose ends there that we could still pull on for information. There are some people that survive. There's some physical evidence left behind from the job I did that I might be able to sift through to figure out who this rat man is and what is really going on here. Lee would have to admit he's involved. Right. So what happens is Lee says, okay, we need to go back to the one of the scenes of the crimes. And he decided to admit this is what I've been doing. And he came clean with everything. And in a moment of anger, Brodor's character, Joe punches. It was a moment of forgiveness. Because <laughs> yeah, I, it, sure. For benevolent punching. I, it was because there was, if you go back and you listen yes. to it, I specifically said, look, we all make bad deals referencing yeah. the bad deal that I made for the boat. Because and, Lee smacked him in the face. Right. When he learned what oh. Joe did <laughs> to his, parents and yeah. his deal and all that. right yeah so so joe punches him in the gut and then it will look like it might be about to turn into a pinata <laughs> and so casey the the pit fighter who owes his life right. to lee came back in the room he's like okay one's enough you guys are done you hit him again i'm putting you down mm -hmm. in that moment of anger my very first thought like and that's the moment where i realized as joe that i'm just as susceptible to the darkness because I honestly thought in character, can Monomar take Casey if Casey's not paying attention? Because <laughs> if I ask Monomar to kill Casey, 
I think he would. Oh, yeah. I think so, too. Oh, yeah. There's no question he tried to. So that, that thought, that <laughs> thought <laughs> Wayne got the phrase right. He tried to. That thought, yeah, no, the thought crossed my mind that if Casey wasn't paying attention and Motomar got one good shot, could he take him? Yeah, and Casey's not plot powerful. Right. There's nobody in this game that's plot powerful. But, Chad, there, there's something that I want to focus on in that scene because not only did you make a choice that was one that moved the game forward, it was a very even out of character. Right. It was one that struck me as an unselfish choice because it meant consequences for Lee, mm-hmm. but it also meant bringing the other players in the know on right. that secret in an in-character way. So the secret is what we talked about a couple episodes ago with the note passing, the quote, real game, yeah. where it, it, Dan and I passing notes, that was all the jobs we were doing. And so now everyone's in the know on yeah. that, not just out of character, but in character as well. But there's something else I have to congratulate you on, and Wayne's going to know exactly what I'm talking about, which is, Chad, in the years that I have known you since we got serious about role-playing and didn't just play cardboard cutout nice. templates, there is a character you have tried to play a hundred times over, <laughs> and until this past Thursday, have never successfully played, which is the character on a dark path that during the story will be redeemed. <laughs> I, yeah. I try, I try. I try. <laughs> and it finally, after yes. all these years, after 20 years of gaming, yeah. or however long Every other been, intent, the character gets worse and worse yep, during the yep. course of the game. But yeah. in the course of this game, your character actually did, I was born 20 years of gaming, however long yeah. we've been gaming, the point is that your character... Finally redeemed you one finally, of them. It's all worth it to save one of you them. Know, he, but he's, he never stops working, because if you notice, he went yeah. to Lily's grave. Right. Right? To well, we, get, just, we went to Lily's okay, grave. But so you cool. looked through the remainder of Lily's things, yeah. so you could find the book where she documented seeing a spaceship. The point, <laughs> the point is, is that you're always working, right? Even yeah. though you may not be part of that game anymore. There is still value and information. Do you want me to give you a spoiler? Yeah, I love spoilers. I I know people, I fucking love spoilers. So these guys come rolling out. We're at this grave site, which is another crime scene, so to speak, that we got led to. We we want to find out what happened. And it's one of our, the NPC, one of our friends from years ago who was killed. And it's where she was buried. And we get there. And because of Lee, the grave had been defiled. She was buried with everything she had. They were looking yeah. for something. And one of the things the rat man bought you off for was right. he wanted to know the location of her grave. Which Lee tricked Motomar because he knew Motomar was not, I don't want to say stupid. Motomar's not stupid, but he he's simple. He Yeah, he's not, he's he's not complicated. Clever. Yeah. yeah. And Lee is much more complex, but Motomar could kill him with one punch. But Lee knew that he could talk Motomar into revealing what he needed to know without Motomar understanding what Lee was doing and do it in such a way that he would never bring it up to the rest of the guys who would question him. You realize in game time, in a couple days, Motomar is going to be number two again and Lee yes. number one. <laughs> on the sh- because when it all really sinks in mm-hmm. that the grave was defiled because of Lee yeah. and we're in all of this because of Lee, Motomar is going to slip down to rank two. Right. <laughs> Lee did not do. That's why Chad has Casey. <laughs> right. That's why Chad has a scroll of summon Casey. <laughs> you get one hit. Make Casey's, it good. <laughs> Casey's a day's ride back to St. Louis. That's a long time. so here's the spoiler for you though you know you say lee's always working and stuff 
and he is. So these guys. He's always on the clock. He's always on the clock. He, he's always because he's, he's too smart. He's too smart for his own good. Lee is smarter than I am. I have trouble keeping up with him because he's always got plans going on and he's thinking like 10 moves ahead. He took her book out of the grave while you guys were faffing about with your guns and bullshit. <laughs> he wrapped it up because to him, books and literature are the most important things in his life. And there's very specific reasons why he believes this. And her sister is with us mm-hmm. and she hates us, but she can't leave us. And he's going to deliver that book to her sister. Wow. That's sweet. It has nothing to do with any he, conniving plan or anything like that. Wow. It is literally the most righteous thing in his mind to do. And this actually ties into why I did the big reveal for Lee of laying out this whole conniving thing that I and the game master had going on that I just laid it out in front of the party relatively early on is because for two weeks, which is time in between games, I kept thinking, I'm going to keep it going. Lee's smart. I'm smart. I'm going to keep him dancing. I'm going to keep him dancing. I'm going to have him lie to the guys. I'm going to have him run the con. I'm not going to reveal anything. We're going to give him a little stuff and it's going to be good role playing because they're going to like hook onto little things and Lee's going to be able to dance around him. One of the things that Lee did was delivered a package that paid off a deal that caused a man to take his own life. And Lee watched that happen. Right. In fact, it's the second death that Lee's responsible for. Yes. And Lee 100% took that. To to, to explain that to anyone who's not listening to the AP, one of the deals that Chad did without realizing at the time what it was, was there was a man who was one of these pit fighters like Casey, Mm. but had retired. He was at his prime, but he'd retired to take care of his mother, who was very ill. It's implied she had lung cancer, but she was very ill and he was like the best in his game and he had managed to keep sort of a free agency. And so different organizations in and around St. Louis had tried to court him unsuccessfully because his price was, you have to be able to help my mother and none of them had nobody cure cancer. Yeah. They couldn't cure. We live in the future. Except for the man from the moon with space coins. (laughs) (laughs) And so Chad picked up a package and delivered it Mm -hmm. to this guy and inside was a, a pneumatic injector. Right. That, with the literal cure for cancer. Yeah, with the literal cure for her cancer. And the price he paid, the price that the man agreed to, that Chad gave it to, the pit fighter, was he agreed to take a dive in the pit. Which means death. Which means death. It's not KO. This is not boxing. Right. And so he committed suicide. Right. That was payment. That was the payment for curing his mother of cancer was his suicide. Yeah. And Lee enabled this. Maybe he didn't realize what he was enabling, but he was the courier, you yeah. know, and he was there ringside at the pit when this guy committed suicide. Lee has completely taken that into his heart that he is 100% responsible for the character's name was Sunset for Sunset's death and was trying not to think about it. But as he realized what happened to Lily's grave and what they were doing, he takes 100% responsibility, for, not responsibility as he had part of it. To him, he did it. He is guilty right, of doing Right, because everything things. is about manipulating chains of events right. and the results of those events. And this is a chain yeah. of events 
that Lee manipulated. Yep. For two weeks, I was thinking about coming up with strategies of how I was going to manipulate you guys and dance around it and how I was going to kind of play it loose. I wasn't going to plan too much. And we were, our characters were walking to Sunset's house. And I'm like, I got this, I got this. And then I started, and you guys started asking questions, which caused me to put the pieces together. And because I was, I don't want to say I, w- I was Lee in Lee's mind. No, I'm not that crazy. I was thinking about it. What would Lee think about this from what little I know about my own character? And it's just that sort of conjunction happened in my mind of all the lies and the death and the guilt and the horror that he just saw. And then there's also some things with Lee's background about going to watch one of those pit things and stuff. And all of that compounded and it just crushed him. And I'm like, he's done. He's done. He can't. He can't. He cannot tell a lie to his friends again. He cannot hurt his friends again. If he did, he would turn a gun on himself. He cannot take it. And it came to it. And walking is so cool. It was so dark and cool for Lee. As they were walking into the house and the mother was there and Dan was doing this great job of playing the mother. And yeah, she when really, she opened oh, the door, that, here's, a conver- here's us I was, having the conversation on the stoop and she opens oh my the door. God. Oh, when she yeah. saw us and we didn't say anything and I just had Lee open his mouth and nothing could come out and she knew her son was dead and she started crying. That, Lee was 99%, but I wasn't going to give it up the mountain crumbled. Yeah. There was nothing left. Total annihilation. It was wonderful. And walking into the house was like the like a death march. And in the house, Lee just started, I had him divest himself of things. It was like he was just shedding himself and becoming a new person. And he's this wonderful butterfly. But just like, there was just nothing. He took off this armor he had. He took out this gun he had. He knew what he was about to do. And he wanted to show you guys he was unarmed. He was unarmored, not that he's a fighter anyway, because he's not. And that if you pulled a gun on him and put it to his head, he not only would not stop you, he might even have asked you to pull the trigger. Hmm. He was that deep into the hole. And it, it was such a cool scene because both of you got all of you guys were angry and you punched him and you <laughs> yelled at him. And then you looked at him and you said, we're going to help you. There were like these great lines about how this city poisoned you and we're going to save you from it. And it was just like you guys literally saved an imaginary character who doesn't exist from imaginary suicide. <laughs> it was so brilliant. That'll get you into heaven. Wonderful. Yeah, that, will, that will get your imaginary characters into their imaginary I just, heaven. I could just see you being at, being at the per, being at the pearly gates in St. Peter's, looking at my actual life. I'm like, well, look at my characters. I'm like, I mean, yeah, that's that one bullshit life where I was, you know, a lazy glutton, right? But look at all the other wonderful lives that I've lived. I, 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 I can role play Joe in there. <laughs> What do you need? A little yeah. bit of gel? A bit of this paladin? Yeah. Well, the thing is, and it was really cool because, you know, as Philip pointed out, as, mm-hmm. as Wayne's character pointed out, that you're one of the group and you need yeah. to learn and remember that you're mm-hmm. one of us. You're not one of them yeah. anymore, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Joe never raised his voice. No. Just he, raised his face. Just just the one. <laughs> he only hit you. Yeah. Just the one time. <laughs> Philip raised his voice. Yeah. He yelled. Yeah. yeah. There's another thing that I, Chad, am doing that tries to give a net negative to the team 
by playing in character. To set it up a little bit, we talked about the space coins, right? So there is a plot there. This rat man might be from the moon. He had cancer cure that can only be made in low gravity, right. i.e. space. Yeah. He's got weird coins that no one knows the metal nor the iconography on the coins, uh, space coins. He's got technology. He's, yeah, there's all he these has, has medical weird, conditions yes. that so, meet up with that. So there's all these clues leading to the sort of semi-obvious fact that the guy's not from our planet. Now, there's no aliens or supernatural or anything like that. I mean, it's it's the future. The future got nuked, so they had colonies on the moon Mars. Right, so, because if, if St. Louis thinks that it doesn't have resources and needs the outlying towns, imagine how the people on the moon feel. Right. <laughs> so Chad, the player, has been with Sog since the beginning. Yeah, 1995. <laughs> Chad, the player, knows a lot about Skies of Glass. Second only to Wayne, because Wayne really super got into it. And obviously, Dan knows the most. His, it's all in his head. But and Eric nothing, and I know nothing. Nothing, right? Chad, the player, totally understands as much as Dan has revealed about space stations, about moon, about Mars, about their popular, how they're surviving, all this sort of stuff, right? Chad read the source book. Lee, the character, is the intelligent one. And he's the one who knows all the stuff, right? He's the wizard of the party, or he's the bard. He he knows the things like, okay, everybody can hit stuff with sticks, but we need to translate these runes. We need to read these plans. We need to figure out this. You turn to Lee because that's Lee's function within the meta team is to be the font of knowledge and the, the brain stuff, right? Second to Philip, uh, Wayne's character, who covers Lee's gaps in knowledge in different ways. I'm having Lee give you incorrect information about the moon in character. Lee in character believes that people could not possibly have survived in space stations on the moon or in Mars. He has intellectual arguments on why that's true. He has no contradictory evidence and he truly honestly for real, not trying to trick you believes that I know that's incorrect. No prompting from anyone to do that. I am playing more in character instead of less in character to give the players disinformation to make an interesting yeah. thing yeah. And, from, and thus making a net loss. From my character standpoint, he had assumed that they were all dead. He right. read about them in books. He knew yep. they existed at one point. He had assumed they were all dead, but now things are lining up to make him question that. Mm-hmm. So suddenly it's, oh, it's possible. Maybe there is a way. There's got to be a way. And Lee is an economics guy, and he is making all these hard, hard, Arguments why you got that you might as well say the Loch Ness monster is behind this. It's just foolish. Well, and there is a tiny bit of information you guys might know in character, but rather than give it here, I'll save it for the next actual play session, which is I guess what a week and a half from now. But to put a bow on this episode, it would be this, which is remember when you are at the gaming table, first, foremost, and always, you are playing for the enjoyment of the other people around the table. And like Chad said, being in character, it's not a binary thing. It's not like being pregnant. You can be kind of in character. You can be sometimes in character. And in the same way, when you're making that decision to try and find that sweet spot between driving a knife through the NPC who has the plot versus being the druid who won't come into the town or the guy who's always starting the pub fights, The question that you ought to ask yourself is, am I playing this character? Yes, think about your own enjoyment. Think about your own exploration. 
Think about your own fulfillment. 100%. I am completely behind this. But ask yourself, am I also playing to the benefit of the other people that are at the table? Am I making choices that may not be optimal, Mm -hmm. but are optimal for entertainment? They may not be optimal in terms of getting the farthest and scoring the most points and, you know, reaching the end of the level with no hit points lost or, or whatever. But these are optimal for the experience that the people got together that night expecting. And I know when you guys get together, just because know your party or know your, your group, right? One of Fear the Boots, like central three tenets is, is, you know, know the people that you're playing with. And somebody's got to me the other two are, and I have no idea. <laughs> but I, it is certainly one of the things that I would stand by is like this is core advice of, of what we're about as a show is know the people you're playing with. And look, they took time out of their lives to be there that night. What is it they came for? And I know that when you guys show up for Skies of Glass game, and Chad knows, and Wayne knows, and Brodor knows, and Eric, I assume, knows, that it's not to have the most numbers and points and whatever mm-hmm. optimal outcome. We're not playing tournament risk or something right. like that. We are there to have the most engaging story. And that sometimes may mean playing the character in ways that are either very in character because it's enjoyable or saying, you know what, it would be in character, but it would ruin their enjoyment if I did this. And so we're not going to do that. I don't know. This is not someone getting into this episode, but I was talking to these guys over dinner. There's some things I've been bending in my own rules because I felt it would make skies of glass too harsh, too fast if I was. And so I've been bending them to the enjoyment I perceive of the players. So anyway, that, that's nice. Right. We're going to wrap this one up. So we'll, we'll try to keep the episodes this way. We're going to talk about the games we play because that's yeah. our source of inspiration, yeah. but we'll try to keep these neutral enough that if you're not listening to the actual play, you'll still at least understand well, the uh, Cutlass's rule. Yeah. <laughs> they do a ton of damage. <laughs> and it's amazing. I have to admit that I thought it was a stupid idea, but they were effective. <laughs> I was a little drunk. I mean, in character, but they're amazing. <laughs> All right. So thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2017. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.